Hey, Al. Hey, Barry. Why did the rogue always pickpocket bards? Why? Because they always have the best loot. It's time for Compelled Duel! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Capel Duel. I'm Barry. And I'm Al. And we are a single-player, co-DM'd D&D 5e actual play podcast. Previously on Capel Duel. Right, right, everything's magic, there's a magical Kiva cave, the magical Kiva cave has traps! Okay! Darling, if you were waiting for things to get less magical, you really should not be in a relationship with me. I'm going to pick up the shield. Interesting choice. Was it the right one? There are no right choices, Ferrara. You've got one thing right, old man. Your son is protecting his sister. Someday soon, there won't be anything to protect you from me. I will see you soon, darling. Remember that you chose this. Miriam, we're gonna have to belay that conversation. Ah, why? Because my wife is home. You see an Astrarian elven woman loop one leg over the railing of the ship and clamber aboard. Sabine Javaris closes two wet but warm hands on either side of your face. Are you alright? I would really like to kiss you on the mouth right now. Hello, sweetie. Now, last, we don't need to get too hasty about all of this. Let's just sit down, have a chat. And Sabine fully chucks a firebolt at him. Okay, let's let's all calm down. Oh, you just tried to shoot fire at me. All right, so we're doing this. He reaches down to his belt, unsheathes his cutlass, and takes one big striding step towards her. Sophie, shit is about to get bad. You are standing on the deck of the ship next to a very damp and very angry Sabine Javaris, who is dressed in the same kind of sleek leather armor with her beacon coin and laid into the breastplate that you've seen her in before. And she fully just threw a firebolt at her husband, and he has drawn his sword and is marching across the deck towards her. Everybody is now going to roll initiative, and for the folks at home, here's kind of how this combat is going to work. So it's not just me talking to myself the whole time. I am going to be running Leo, the captain, and Miriam. Al is going to be running Fee and Sabine. So let me go ahead and roll initiative for my guys. Leo got. That's a 15. The captain got. Every fucking time with this man. (laughs) Every fucking time. The captain got a nat 20. Just bought new dice for him. Looks like they work. And Miriam got 
An 18. Uh, what did Fee get? Fee got an 18 on the die, so that's a 26. And Sabine got... <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Sabine also got a nat 20. You ever go through a divorce so nasty that it grants you a surprise around on each other in combat? <laughs> oh, I do hate it here. So the captain and Sabine are going to get around on everybody else in initiative. Since they both rolled nat 20s, it goes to who has the higher initiative modifier, and the captain has a plus 10, so he technically rolled a 30. Yeah, Sabine got a, a 25, so Sabine's actually, when we get into normal initiative, going after Fee. But she just gets a surprise round because she rolled a nat 20. I feel insane. Oh, oh, okay. Um, here we go. Okay, so Fee is within five feet of Sabine on one side, but the captain's going to run up on Sabine's other side so he can use his rakish audacity because the rule for that is that he can use his sneak attack as long as he is within five feet of the target and there's no one within five feet of him. So Fee is 10 feet away by squares, so he can still use it. So he's gonna roll to hit. 26. You know that hits Sabine's armor class. <laughs> he runs right up on Sabine, lashes out with his cutlass, and gets her for 30 damage. He tries to slice one of the bracers off of her arm and just gets a big cut along her forearm in the process. Sabine's up. Can I have the captain make me a whiz save? Oh, he's not good at those. No, he's not, and his wife of 10 years is aware of that. 17. Okay, that just exactly hits Sabine's save DC, so the captain's going to take half damage. Sabine looks down at this cut on her arm, bares her teeth at him. Well, dear, you know that for welcome home presents, I prefer chocolates. And then she's going to cast a sixth level dissonant whispers. Because he made the save, he doesn't have to run away. So he's going to take half of this 8d6 damage. So he takes 14 psychic damage. Okay, and now our bonus round is done. So we're back at the top of the initiative order with the captain again. Sabine glares at him so hard that it does 14 psychic damage. And he looks deeply, deeply afraid for a moment. But then adjusts his posture, snarls back at her. I love, but you didn't do such a good job sneaking off the boat. I don't know what made you think you could sneak back onto it. And he's going to swing at her again. That is a 15. He is just barely going to hit her. No one else has moved, so he still gets that sneak attack from Rakish Audacity. So that's 32 more damage on Sabine. She goes to try to dodge out of the way, but he still catches her, and she starts bleeding pretty heavily. Fee, you're up next in initiative. And you've been standing there, kind of rooted to where you are in shock, watching all of this go down. You see the two of them looking at each other with just sheer malice, and you come to the very unsettling realization that the captain and Sabine aren't fucking playing. They are trying to kill each other. You are next. What would you like to do? If he's going to cast telekinesis, can I have the captain make a strength save for me? 17. 
Yeah, okay. So that doesn't work. (laughs) You see him start to lift off his feet a little bit, and he looks over at you very betrayed, and then latches one hand onto the ship's railing and grinds his feet back down into the deck. As a free action, he's just going to yell, Would you two stop it? Uh, And then it's Sabine's turn, and she's not going to do that. Hey, uh, remind me, is the hilt of the captain's sword made of metal? Uh, It's wrapped in leather, but yeah, it's made of metal. Cool. So Sabine's going to cast Heat Metal at fifth level. So the captain's going to make a con save to not drop his sword, but he's going to take, no matter what he does, 5d8 fire damage. Ouch. He doesn't make the con save, so he's going to take that damage and then drop his cutlass. So that's 23 fire damage. Okay, yeah, with a sizzle and the sound of cooking meat, the captain screams and drops his sword onto the deck. Oh no, that's just not fair! Sweetheart, fairness went out the window when I was suddenly outnumbered 25 to 1 in our marital squabbles. And now it's Leo's turn. Leo looks back and forth between the carnage going on, very confused, and then whips the knife out of his belt, raises it, points it from the captain to Sabine and goes, All right, both of you chill, and casts calm emotions. So the captain and Sabine are both going to have to make a charisma save. Let me roll for the captain. The captain rolled a 17, so he does save because Leo's DC is 16. Well, Sabine has plus nine to charisma saves. And she rolled a 16 on the die. Okay, so you and your brother both do your best to try to break this up, and it just does not work. And now Miriam is up. She goes to step forward into the fray to try to break it up herself, it looks like. And as a free action, the captain yells, Back off, Miriam! My wife, my problem! Sabine, hands still raised from casting that heat metal, yells back, I am not your wife anymore! There's several legal institutions that would like to disagree with you, lass. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize marooning on an island didn't count as divorce proceedings in the Zephyr Isles. Miriam has been given orders by her captain. You see her take a step back, look really angry and really worried, and then take off sprinting down the stairs, and you hear the door to below decks slam open, like she's going down there to get somebody. And now we're back up at the top with the captain, who has dropped his sword. Sabine is probably still maintaining concentration on that heat metal, so he can't pick it back up. But he can pull a dagger out of his coat, and he does. 18 on the die, that's absolutely going to do it. So that's another 30 damage. Sabine's down to 6 hit points. Sophie's going to, first of all, use her movement to like try and get between the two of them. Both hands out. She's going to yell, Leo, do something! She's going to use her action to lay on hand Sabine, so Sabine gets 5 hit points back. And I think she's going to do Quickened Spell. So she's going to, as a bonus action, cast Telekinesis again. So the captain has to make a save again. 15. That does not do it. The captain is shoved, let's say, 20-ish feet away by a strong gust of wind. You shove him away, and you see him fighting back against the Telekinesis spell, still clutching the dagger that he used to stab Sabine. And he looks at you with this incredibly hurt and betrayed expression. After all this, and you're still going to take her sight. 
I'm not taking sides. I'm just trying to make sure you two don't kill each other. And then from behind her, Sabine's going to say, Fee, don't you get it? That's the point. And then she's going to cast Heat Metal again. So that's her other fifth level spell slot gone. The captain has to make a con save to not drop his dagger. 17. So he saves. He's still holding on to it, but if she keeps concentration, he's going to keep taking damage. And he's going to take 14 fire damage. Okay, Miriam is down below deck. She has not resurfaced yet, so that makes it Leo's turn. You yell at him to do something. He pulls his knife back out and goes, Not gonna tell you again! Chill! And casts Hold Person at third level. So the captain and Sabine are both gonna have to make a DC 16 whiz save. Sabine rolled a 15. That's not gonna do it. Okay, she's paralyzed. Captain? (laughs) Rolled a three. So they both freeze, and you bring this combat to a pause, if not an end, as Miriam comes crashing back through the door from below decks, pulling you behind her with her broadsword out, just looking panicked back and forth at the situation. What in the high holy fuck's going on here? Fee grimaces and yells back, Sabine has a tendency for grand entrances. Mind helping us out here? You vaults up the stairs to the upper deck and gets a look at Sabine. And a snarl goes across her face. You. Sabine, fighting back against the paralysis effect from the whole person, just gives her this mean, malicious little grin and goes, No, you're confused, honey. That's your name. Leo is holding concentration on the spell. All right. If I let you two go, are you going to be cool about this? No. Okay, awesome. So we can't get you two to agree to not kill each other. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it impossible for you to kill each other. And Leo casts Death Ward on both of them. So if either of them drops below zero hit points, no, they didn't. Yeah. And then he's going to dispel the whole person. The captain and Sabine both slump out of this hold person spell, glaring at each other and at you and Leo mutinously. There's a lot of hard feelings going around right now. All right, I understand that emotions are running high, but I think we can sort this out if the two of you would like to go somewhere that isn't on the deck in front of everyone. The captain, who is still in your telekinesis spell, goes, Hi, lass, love to, can't. Um, he is still taking damage from heat metal. <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead and <laughs> re-roll that. What is it, 5d8? 13. Yeah, his hand is still sizzling where he's gripping the knife. Fee whips around to look at Sabine and says, Would you stop that? Roll intimidation. 21. So let me roll insight for Sabine. She rolled a nat 1. She looks very chastised and slowly jingles her wrist and the captain's knife stops glowing. Thank you. And then Fee drops the telekinesis spell. Now would both of you just behave for ten minutes so we can go downstairs and sort this out. Sabine very meekly puts her head down after that nat one insight check and just calmly walks down to the captain's quarters. She's moving around the ship like she knows the way. The captain's still giving you kind of that wounded look, but he nods and then follows her. 
Finn nods. She looks at Leo and says, can you do that, uh, the, the cleric thing, the, the truth thing? Son of Truth? Yeah, sure. I mean, they can fight back against it, but I should be able to do it pretty easily, I think. I'll take that risk. Let's go. And you all make your way down to the captain's quarters. When you walk in, the captain and Sabine are on opposite sides of the room, just snarling at each other still. Leo's the last one into the room, shuts the door behind him, points at the both of them and goes, All right, both of you, have a seat. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to do a particularly useful bit of magic that won't let anybody in this room tell a lie, because I feel like a lot of the bullshit that's going on is because everybody here has been lied to by somebody. So let's shed some light on the situation, yes? This will be much easier if neither of you try to fight the magic. Can we agree that the truth is good for everybody? Sabine, I've heard that's your thing. Fee does glare at both of them. They both slowly slink over to the dining table in the center of the captain's quarters and sit down. Leo nods. Thank you. And drops a zone of truth. I'm going to say that the captain and Sabine both uh, voluntarily fail their saves for this. Yeah, I'll fail it too. Okay, did you need anything else? No, we're good. Get out. Well, I mean, don't you want me to- I'll handle it. Get out, please. Okay, you got ten minutes of that. Bye! And Leo runs out. So here's a fun mechanical thing we're going to do. The duration on Zone of Truth is 10 minutes. We are going to have this conversation in which we are trying to convince the captain and Sabine to stop trying to kill each other. I am going to set a timer for 10 minutes, and it is up to your discretion as the player what sort of questions you want to ask each of them that they are compelled to answer truthfully to the best of their ability. Okay, here we go. Fee's going to look at the captain first and say, For the sake of posterity, I know we all know this, but why did you maroon Sabine on an island? I was following pirate code. She stole from her own crew. I had to. All right, cool. Fee turns to look at Sabine. Why were you trying to steal from the crew? Because he lied to me for ten years. She points at the captain really accusingly. He's a member of the fucking Beacon, Fee. You have to know you found the coin. Yes, I found the coin and it wasn't attuned to anyone or I couldn't have sent you a message, Sabine. Fee just puts a hand up at her and then turns to the captain and says, When did you find out what the Beacon was? Uh, about a month ago, give or take, when you explained it all to me after the whole thing with the pirates. Right, now that we have that established, Fee turns back to Sabine. Why did you think he was a member of the Beacon? Because I got a tip from someone else who is, Defiance said. (sighs) Fee puts her head in her hands. Okay, let's all remember for a second that Defiance is a liar. Let's all remember that and internalize it and bring that perspective to the conversation. But uh, why? She looks up at the captain and you can see gears just twirling in her head. Where did you get the coin? He goes, the coin? Fee's gonna walk over to his dresser and pull the beacon coin out and hold it up. What, that thing? Got it as a present when I joined the pirate court. And he blinks a couple times, is very silent for a moment. From defiance, now that I think of it. Great, awesome, so we all agree that we have been lied to. Fee holds the coin up at the captain and says, 
This allows members of that organization that I told you that Sabine and I are both a part of to send messages to each other, which is how I got in contact with Sabine. Sorry, I didn't tell you. Didn't think she was going to jump on the boat. Thought I'd be able to discuss it with her and then we'd be able to sort it out. Bad call on my part. And then she turns to Sabine and she says, again, he wasn't attuned to it or I couldn't have sent you a message. There's this long moment where you still see the gears turning in Sabine's head and watch her kind of process all this new information. And she goes from looking confused to just absolutely gutted. You mean this whole time, this wasn't all some sort of clever plan to... The captain throws back his head and laughs, like full belly laugh. <laughs> I've never made a plan in my life, much less a clever one. You know who plans things? Defiance! Sabine fully fails to see the humor in this situation. She just still looks absolutely mortified by this. You never betrayed me. You never even tried to. The captain's expression softens quite a bit. I said in the wedding vows that I wouldn't, didn't I? When have you ever known me to break a promise, lass? She fully puts her head in her hands and leans forward down onto the table. Felix very uncomfortable. So that's that sorted. She looks at the captain and says, I'll say it while we're still under zone of truth if you'd like me to, but again, the beacon is not behind the disappearances coming out of the dragon's maw. That's also Defiance, so a uh, very interesting conversation we're having here. The captain just closes his eyes and pinches the bridge of his nose. Fucking Defiance. Sabine, with her head still in her hands, goes, fucking Defiance, and kind of scrubs her hands down her face and then snaps back up in her chair. Oh god, okay, good talk everybody. Uh, we need to go back outside. I, I left something. Uh, we're gonna go back outside. Sabine flings open the door to go outside, and Leo, Miriam, and you all fall in where they've had their ears pressed against the door. Sabine doesn't say anything. She just vaults over them and goes running to the side of the ship. Okay, I'm gonna follow her. You and the captain follow her. Everybody else that fell in through the door is getting to their feet. And you hear a strange... of magic... You would recognize it as the kind of energetic sound that a telekinesis spell makes. And as Sabine runs over to the side of the ship, off the railing, you see a big wooden rowboat rising slowly into the air to hover at the level of the deck. There is a small form sitting inside, wrapped in a cloak. You can't see very much because it's still kind of far away from you and pretty dark. But you can see that this little humanoid form has dark hair and braided pigtails and glasses. Sabine plants her hands on her hips and looks very affronted and goes, I told you to stay in the boat. This little figure pulls their hood fully back on their cloak, shrugs at Sabine, and Lorelai Shakrana goes, I mean, I'm still in the boat. Did you finish killing your husband yet? Uh, Leo, what are you doing? Getting up off the floor where I fell on my face. You hear the... 
of a telekinesis spell. And then you hear wood clacking and clattering. You hear raised voices, and among them, you pick out the very familiar intonations and speech patterns of Lorelai Shakrana. Oh, I'm getting up much faster now. I run. I run over to where I hear that. You see Sabine, apparently, your sister's girlfriend, absolutely scolding Lorelai, who's just standing on deck with her arms crossed, like rolling her eyes. Leo gets close enough to actually lay eyes on her and freezes. Lorelai? Lorelai's posture goes absolutely rigid. You watch her lean past Sabine a little bit and look at you. Very, very quietly, she says, Leo? Leo fucking sprints for her. He is shoving people out of the way if he has to and just gets her in his arms and fully sinks down to his knees on the deck holding her and is like biting back sobs to the best of his ability. I think there's just that moment of two people that have lost the same person and find a little piece of them in somebody else that knows what that loss is like. And he's just got one hand cupped around the back of her head and leaning down into her ear and going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Lorelai is clinging to you. I didn't know what was going on until it was too late to stop it, and I could have, um, nobody, nobody would tell me what was happening, and then we had to go, and, and, um. Shh, you're okay, you're okay, I've got you. It's gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. This is kind of the first time that Lorelai has let herself process what happened. Because you say, you're gonna be okay. She does, like, let out one sob and just clings a little harder and says, I still don't know what happened to my mom and dad. I don't <laughs> And she's going to roll uh, on the wild magic search table. Eleven. Okay, not to take away from the emotional gravitas of this moment, but uh, I'm going to roll a d10 and Lorelai's height is going to change. <laughs> uh, so Lorelai shrinks exactly one inch. Yeah, Leo feels her shrink in the hug and goes, mm, and grabs her a little bit tighter. She makes a loud, frustrated noise still in the hug and, like, stomps her foot. Just very loudly in that very teenage way says, fuck! Leo lets out this hysterical, tearful laugh. <laughs> it's okay, kiddo. You, you come from tall people. You'll be fine. She laughs with you. Also, more than a little bit hysterical. <laughs> I hate this! I know. I know. This year sucks. I want to go home. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. You are going to go home. Fee and I are going to fix things, and we are going to make the people that did this pay for it. And you are going to go home, I promise. And we're all together now, right? This sucks, Lorelai, I know it sucks. It's 
the worst thing that's ever happened to any of us, and I don't think any of us deserved it, but when things suck this bad, trust me, it is way easier to go through it when you're with people that love you. Let's get you somewhere you can rest, okay? Okay. I give Fee a very loaded, we need to talk later look, and then I'm going to take Lorelai down and just put her in my bunk and stay with her until she trances. It takes a minute. She has had a long day, but she's a little wired to trance right now. If she's still really wound up and having trouble resting, I'm going to sit with her and tell her about all the giant butterflies we saw in Oskaya. Lorelai takes her trance because it's very late and she is still pretty young. And are you going back up on deck? Yeah, once she's out, I'm going to go try to find Fee. You find her just kind of at the prow of the ship, slowly clenching and unclenching her fists. You recognize this as her just trying to calm herself down. She does not look at you as you approach. She is just looking up at the city and over the water. <sighs> Shit. Shit. Lorelai's okay, I got her down, she's trancing, but... <sighs> Shit. Yes, we've established that. I'm sorry I didn't warn you Sabine would be bringing her, I just, I didn't think of it with everything else going on. No, it's, it's better that she's here. With us. It sounds like she's the last of House Shakrana, so we're gonna keep her safe. Fee reaches up and pinches the ridge of her nose. And then says, I don't know exactly what's going on with her parents. Uh, they uh, got sent up north. And as I was fleeing the country, father was setting off to go see them personally. So they're dead. I think if we underestimate the lengths that the old man's willing to go to, that puts us at a disadvantage. <sighs> yeah, I just don't want to... Except that we're going to have to tell her that her parents are dead, until it is a sure thing. Fair enough. So, Sabine and the captain. What do you think's gonna happen there? He groans so loud, and just puts her head in her hands. Yeah, that was about my assessment of the situation, too. It's, oh, oh, everything's bad. Everything sucks. <sighs> I'll drink to that. I would really like to drink to that. Do you want to come see if you can rustle up a bottle of rum with me? I would love that. Let's do that. Fee, you and your brother get rip-roaring drunk on the floor of the kitchens, and nobody bothers you about it. I think you both pass out in there, actually, for a little bit. You wake up still a little tipsy, and Leo is not there. He's gone. Damn it. I'm going to go try and find, in this order, my brother, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, and Lorelai. <laughs> They're all in pretty close proximity to each other, actually. You walk up on deck, and Leo is crouched down in front of Sabine, who's sitting on a bench, with his knife out running a hand over the big, long cut on her arm that the captain made with his cutlass in their fight. Healing her up, you can see that the captain has a little bit of healing magic hanging around him as well. 
Lorelai's fussing around on the deck, just kind of wandering around. You notice she has fallen in pretty quickly with you and Glasses, and they're just kind of walking her around. Glasses is very excitedly showing her one of the cannons and jabbering at her about it. And she looks mildly interested. Sabine sighs as Leo finishes healing her up and nods at him. (sighs) Thanks for that. All right, anyway, so as I was saying, next steps. From behind her, Fia's gonna say, Well, I picked an opportune time to wake up. Leo nods over at you. Morning, sunshine. You smell like a distillery. Yeah, it's because I passed out on you. He narrows his eyes at you, but does not make the bitchy comment that is clearly colliding with the backs of his teeth. A few feet away, the captain shrugs and goes, Oi, like I said, I sent Doc and Ascot up to the Citadel, but, uh, just ballparking it here. It'll probably be a few days before we hear back on anything. Like I said, the legislators are, uh, slow as shite. We're stuck on the boat until then. And while we're here, I still have work to do, so if you'll excuse me. He starts to wander off. He begins leading the crew in an extremely explicit sea shanty. And before he gets to the first fuck in the verse, there is a jingle as Sabine stands up and slaps a hand over his mouth. She snaps her head over to look at him with this vicious glare and goes, I can't control what kind of filth you expose glasses to, but you need to keep in mind, sir, that there is another pair of little ears on this boat. She lowers her hand, but is still watching him very warily. And the captain breaks into an absolutely shit-eating grin. Oh, that's a shame you won't even get to hear the one I wrote about you in that case. Goes a little something like, Oh, I once had me an Australian lass who was fair of face and fairer of- And Lorelai walks around the corner, and the captain freezes, wide-eyed, and goes, Personality. Lorelai tilts her head at him and blinks. Personality doesn't rhyme with lass. The captain, still looking panicked, nods very quickly. Oh, hey, it it doesn't. That was a grievous oversight on my part, lass. Uh, Yeah, back to the drawing board with it, I guess. Sabine gives him a slow, silent nod of approval, and then turns around and walks back towards the rear decks. Fee has a hand over her mouth to keep from laughing. And just nods and says, right. (laughs) So we're just waiting. Oh, the captain has fully bustled off to do something else. He escaped that situation as quickly as he could. So you're just left standing there with Leo and Lorelai. Leo nods slowly next to you. Yep, guess we're waiting. And Lorelai shrugs. That's okay. Glasses said he was going to teach me how to build a bomb. And then she turns around and walks away. Oh, I don't think that's. And she's gone. Okay, that's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Leo sighs very heavily and goes, Well, we still need food made for today, so I'm gonna go help Boots with that. Have fun with your, uh... And he kind of waves in the two directions that the captain and Sabine walked off. Situation, Fee. And he claps you on the shoulder as he walks by. (sighs) Fee sighs deeply and then says to herself, Signed up to be a third, not a marriage counselor. And then walks off after Sabine. Even though it is storm season and the sky is pretty overcast, there's no rain coming down, so it's just kind of this quiet gray morning that's dawning over the docks of Pearlport. 
when you find Sabine, she is sitting up on the highest part of the back deck, just on the floor, legs crossed, in kind of a meditative position, and she just has her eyes closed. The wind is kind of blowing her hair back from her face. She seems a lot more peaceful than she did yesterday, but quiet. Fee's gonna sit down next to her. She doesn't move or anything as you sit down, and she doesn't even open her eyes, but you do see her smile a little bit as you sit down next to her. Do you feel it? Uh, feel what? Down on the deck, the captain has started leading the crew in a much more family-friendly sea shanty. Everybody's singing together as they're hauling the sails in and getting everything tied down, ready to fully dock and unload things they need to unload off the ship. Sabine reaches over and grabs your hand, and the wind makes her bells jingle on her wrist a little bit. Her smile widens. Listen, you can feel the magic. Do you want to roll me an arcana check? I would love to do that, actually. Thirteen. While you are holding Sabine's hand, you are able to intuitively tap into her magic and really feel it out for the first time. And as you're listening to everybody singing together down on deck, working in time with their voices in unison, you can feel an echo of that same kind of magic there, that sort of bardic energy. And Sabine looks very at peace among all of it. She opens her eyes and looks down at everybody running around on deck, glasses and you and Lorelai messing around with the cannons, the captain up at the wheel yelling something at Pelican, and she looks very sad for a moment. Whatever else this place was to me, it was my home for ten years. These people were my family, and I betrayed them. I did it because I had been lied to, but that doesn't matter. I still... They trusted me, and I took everything from them. Being back with them is hard. I don't want to come face to face with the way that I know that they see me now. Well... He squeezes her hand and says, You wouldn't do it again. So, the only thing to do is make amends as best you can and be the person you are now going forward. Sometimes I worry that the person I am now isn't worth trusting either. She laughs, squeezes her hand, and then lets go, and brushes off her skirt and says, Well, it hasn't broken bad for me yet. Sabine kind of smirks, but it's still very sad. <laughs> Yet. Anyway, I'm not too keen on hanging out around here with a bunch of people that hate me. The captain can't get off the ship, but he neglected to mention that there's nothing stopping you or I from doing it. Pearlport's a hell of a town. You want to go explore? <laughs> I, I would love to. Why can't he get off the ship? Sabine winces. Um, I think that, historically, the captain and I telling tales on each other has not worked out so great, so we should maybe let him explain that. Come on, let's go. Okay, I'm gonna follow her. 
you and Sabine sneak off the boat very noticeably while the captain isn't looking. You see that she waits for him to walk away and then tugs you down the gangplank really quick. And you emerge into the docks of Pearlport. The docks are just teeming with activity. People running around, loading and unloading ships. Sabine leads you up the docks with a lot of confidence. You can tell she knows where she's going. She reaches down and grabs your hand as you walk and nods up towards these big gates in a wall that is carved out of the mountain surrounding the city. Okay, so Dockside is really fun, but if you move a little further into town, you get to where the fish market is, and the street food there is sublime. Also, there's a great bar scene down on the lower levels of the city. Things get a little more bureaucratic the higher up the mountain you go, since, you know, the Citadel's up there and everything. Kind of boring, but I would kill for some fish and chips right now. Okay, lead the way. Fee is walking behind Sabine, and because Sabine is not looking at her, just smiling adoringly. Pearlport is as beautiful in the daylight as it was at night. This opalescence of the stone is a pretty constant thing, even in the day. And all of these buildings are just glowing softly as you make your way down the streets. Even the cobblestones of the streets glow. The whole city just shines. As you're winding your way down these cobblestone streets, you see that they are lined with these massive statues that are standing up on plinths. They appear to be carved from the same glowing stone as the rest of the city, but they're very interesting looking. You are used to very detailed, realistic statues, given what you've seen in Australia. These statues don't even hardly have faces. They are almost featureless, just these big stone guardians standing watch over the street as you're walking beneath them. You see many, many stormfolk milling around. There's a lot of people in a little square that you pass through. You move further down the street and into a massive bustling market that is attached to another set of docks, much different from the one that you pulled up to, which seems to be mainly for merchant ships. You see fishing boats coming in and out here. The fish market is a fish market. You know, people are there selling fish, but there are also several street vendors that are making food. There are artisans out there selling their wares. You see absolutely gorgeous pearl jewelry and things like that. As you're moving down along the street, you hear someone yell, Storms and fucking salt, Sabine! And a young Stormfolk lady about your age, long, dark hair that flashes orange and pink with opalescence under the sunlight, very pregnant, comes sprinting around the corner of a booth that has some pearl jewelry on it and just locks Sabine into this huge hug. Sabine lets out this big, happy laugh and squeezes her back and then grabs her shoulders, stands back, looks her up and down and goes, Wow, Mira, you've been busy since I've been gone. Uh, (laughs) Fee raises her eyebrows, nods to herself, and then from behind Sabine just waves and says, Hi. This lady laughs at Sabine's comment and kind of shakes her head and goes, Oh, hey, Adam finally bought the fucking ring, so, you know. Speaking of shithead husbands, where's yours? Sabine winces again. Uh, 
back on the boat, hiding from the legislators, as per usual. Mira laughs again, and then acknowledges your greeting with a little nod. Sabine waves back and forth between you like she's making introductions. Mira's a very old friend. Mira, this is Fiona, who is... You know, we should have a drink later and talk about this. I'm a very complicated situation. It's nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) She kind of cuts her eyes sideways at Sabine and says, I've heard some things. Not a lot, but a bit. You see Sabine kind of stare into the abyss for a second. Mira starts wandering back over to her booth and Sabine follows her. And you see that this lady apparently makes and sells really gorgeous, intricate pearl jewelry. She has big collar-like necklaces that are woven almost in lace-like patterns of strings of pearls. Beautiful silk shawls that have pearls attached to the tassels. Very, very nice artwork. Sabine reaches down and runs her fingers along this really pretty iridescent pearl cuff bracelet. How much is this gonna run me? Mira kind of blinks at her. Well, I mean, I'd give it to you for five gold, but, uh, looks like your wrists are a little spoken for with the... (laughs) She shakes her hands in reference. Sabine goes, you know what? I'll take it, and slams five gold down on the counter. I will be back to talk to you later, okay? Um, quick question. Is the singing siren still in business? Please say yes. Mira goes... Oh, hi, the place has made it through a thousand years of hurricanes. There's nothing that's going to shut the doors. Sabine nods. Thank you, Mira. Grabs the bracelet and leads you off down the street. As soon as they're out of earshot, Fee very amusedly says, For the record, my alias of choice is Augustina, though we may have to change the surname to avoid questions. But it's nice to meet one of yours. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't do great coming up with aliases on the fly, which, given my line of work, is a little bit of an area for improvement, I think. I should really put that on my annual self-performance review. She reaches out and has the bracelet dangling on one finger and just kind of waves it at you. A souvenir from your first time in Pearlport. Fee smiles a little bit to herself, takes it and clasps it on her wrist. (sighs) Yeah, well. Aliases are tricky. I made the mistake of using your last name, and it got me quite made with the captain and co. Sabine's cheeks darken a little bit, (laughs) and she purses her lips together and smirks a little bit. Oh yeah, I bet they had a great time with that. She grabs your hand again as you start walking. The fish market's very crowded. There are people pressing in around you on all sides, doing their shopping, going to the street vendors. But as you work your way down closer to the docks where all of these fishing boats are going in and out, you see a positively ancient-looking tavern carved into the stone, as all of the buildings in Pearlport are, with a big faded wood sign that reads The Singing Siren. And the siren on the sign does not look like an actual siren. It is the fair lasses sitting on rocks with their tits out that the captain described as a common misconception back in Mistborough. She laughs as she looks at it, nods at the sign, and then says to Sabine, Remind me to tell you why that's funny later. I'm sure we have a lot of catching up to do. It'll be much easier over a couple pints. That it will. 
you walk into this bar. The proprietor of this establishment is a pretty old, very gruff-looking Stormfolk gentleman with a big opalescent beard that flashes green and gold. He gets one look at Sabine and goes, Aye, and here comes trouble. Sabine waves him off. Yeah, yeah. I'll take the usual, make it two of them. And before you know it, there are two frosty flagons of ale on the counter, and Sabine picks them both up and leads you off to a corner table. So how much time exactly have you spent in this wonderful city? Uh, A good bit. The last couple years that I was in the Zephyr Isles, considerably less. But again, that's something you're going to have to talk to the captain about. But I know my way around. She smiles a little bit, looking at this big rowdy bar that is full of fishermen and probably more than one pirate. I love this city. I love the people. They take care of each other, and they never ask questions about it, and, well, that's something people like you and me aren't used to. No, I suppose we aren't. I'd love to get used to it, though. You and me both. Fee grimaces, takes another big swig of her drink, and says, I want to say off the bat that I did get in contact with you as soon as I could. Just so we're clear on that. Um, that being said, I definitely slept with your husband. Again, got into contact with you as soon as I could, and I figured it was going to be something we were going to have to talk about, but that we could discuss and decide what to do with, given our history. The words, I slept with your husband, leave your mouth, and Sabine was in the middle of taking a drink and fully chokes. (coughs) Oh. Well, that's, 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 no, that's, um, oh, that's complicated. Yeah, yeah, a few things have happened. Um, I also died briefly, but I'm fine now. Uh, oh my god, Ferrara! I'm fine. It's cool. But yes, I did send a message to you in somewhat of a compromising position. Huh. Okay. Again, this was all in the space of about two days. It was a bit of a ride. Well, hmm. Her eyes get a little bit wider and she just stares down into her drink. Well, I'm not upset with you, in case that was an area of concern. It was, but I was sort of banking on the idea that you wouldn't be. To be clear, we were both aware of our respective dynamics with you before anything happened. Well, and it's not like you and I ever really had time to iron anything out concretely. And I mean, it's hard to look at the captain and not... She gets kind of a dreamy look on her face for a second and then takes another really big drink. Anyway, I understand. To be clear, if the fact that I kissed you the first time I saw you in months didn't iron things out, this is not... (sighs) I'm gonna have to explain this twice. I don't think things have to change between us, just because I made some choices. I am reluctant to change things if you don't want to. Because I 
quite enjoy the relationship that the two of us have, whether or not we put labels on it. Fee, if this is you asking me to be your girlfriend, it's highly awkward, but the answer is yes. It felt very juvenile to just say the words, hey, will you be my girlfriend? You know, I haven't done this a lot. Clearly. She grins really big and then reaches out and grabs your hand across the table and squeezes it. (sighs) A lot has happened. Oh, I should let you know. It seems from reconnaissance that my brother has done that uh, Defiance is going to be in Proport and that she is under orders to get me specifically. That's going to be an ongoing issue, I suppose. Sabine finishes her drink with one long swig and then waves her finger in the air for another one before slamming the flagon back down on the table and goes, You've had that information the whole time and you led into the conversation with the fact that you slept with my husband? (laughs) I care for you so deeply, Fee. What the fuck are your priorities? I was waiting to discuss that with you face to face for a few weeks now. I only found out about the Defiance thing a couple days ago. I was just really worried about our interpersonal dynamic and I didn't want to, I felt like I was lying if I didn't bring it up. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, sure, we should. And Sabine gets her second drink delivered and just chugs the whole thing in one go. With that information gleaned, we should probably get back on the boat. Because I didn't know that when I suggested this little adventure. I mean, I think it's fine. We're having a great time. We are. But if I have to deal with my husband lecturing me about endangering somebody's safety, I think my head's going to explode. Just the sheer level of hypocrisy would set off an aneurysm, for sure. That's fair enough. She finishes her drink. Sabine plunks down a handful of coins on the table and reaches out for your hand as she stands up. He's going to take her hand. You two walk back out of this bar that is on the dockside, looking out over the little bay where all the fishing boats are coming back in. And you start to set off back towards the fish market. But as you're walking... You hear cutting over the rabble of people shouting on the fishing boats and seagulls screeching as they fly in. A voice from behind you that says, Hello, girls. Fancy seeing you here. Peace size. Sabine goes rigid next to you and whips around. And as you turn with her, leaning up against the railing over the water is a tall, willowy, infernal elf woman with long, spiraling horns and a sword at her side. Defiance gives you both a very hungry smile and says, Ah, were we already done with drinks? I wanted to have a chat. So, back on the ship. Leo, what are you doing? He's probably just doing what he's been doing, which is rogue practice. He's probably got his target back out and is throwing his knife at it again. 
after a minute, a knife goes past your ear and thunks into the target. And from behind you, the captain says, I think you're standing a little close to it for this to be a effective practice. Leo makes a big show of looking around the deck and goes, oh, 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 where? Damn, now where is? Where's what? Sorry, I was just looking around for the person that asked. <laughs> he throws another knife past you. No, but on the topic of your tutelage, uh, I would like to actually solicit it now. I've been struggling with that fainting move that you taught me, the one where you go left when you're trying to make the other person think you're going to go right. Do you mind helping me out with that? Aye, sure. He starts, like, adjusting your stance forcibly. You know, the last time somebody did this with me, there was so much sexual tension, and I'm really glad that that's not the case now. Aye, you and me both. It'd be a little awkward for starters, and for a second. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, yeah, Leo's gonna let the captain help him out and fix his stance so he can get this knife moved down. He does that, and then he stands opposite you, sorts his stance out, takes out a dagger, and just twirls it between his fingers, and says, All right, remember, you've got to keep your weight shifted the way you want me to think you're going to go, rather than the direction you're intending to move. Yes, but you know that this is what we're practicing, so then we're getting into a little bit of a psychological conundrum there, so I'm just gonna- I try to stab him. <laughs> Roll to hit. Twelve. That's not gonna hit. Uh, roll a grapple check. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm so tired of him! <laughs> I'm so tired of him! I can't <laughs> fucking stand him! Every goddamn time! Well. Since mechanically the highest Leo can roll is a 19, and the captain rolled a nat 20, which is a 25, he handily pins both of your arms behind your back. As he is pinning your arms, he says, That was a dirty trick, lad. There will come a day where I will be capable of visiting violence upon you, captain. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But it is coming. Let me go! <laughs> he throws his head back and laughs, but he does let you go. Well, I'm glad you're having fun. You've seemed pissy ever since we docked. I mean, with good reason. Uh, the whole uh, marital strife and everything. He grimaces and nods to himself and he says, Well, good on you for bringing it up. We've safely ruined the good mood. I do what I can. Is there any reason that we're just hanging around on the boat while uh, a war continues to rage half a world away, and apparently the people that can help us are up at the top of that mountain? Well, first of all, the legislators are not going to be quick about it when and if we can get in to have a conversation with them. So if I were you, I'd accept that now. He tilts his head a little bit and winces and says, And I'm not really allowed to... Set foot in the city of Powerport. What did you do? I mean, after everything we've been through together, it's not like I care or like I'm going to judge. I was just under the impression that your 
particular brand of bastardry was the type that came with a carte blanche from the powers that be, given that you do quite a bit of helping people around the aisles. He makes kind of a wiggly hand gesture. I, for the most part, which is why no one's uh, chasing me down, but uh, the justice system of Paraport specifically has a bit of a drive to bring me in for... <sighs> he just starts taking things off on his fingers. Larceny, tax evasion, smuggling, Grand Theft Marine, extortion, arson, but that one was Sabine. We kind of uh, decided that I should take the fall for that one. Oh, and kidnapping. Oh, yeah, Ascot. I heard about that one. Oh, Ascot didn't press charges. Leo frowns at him. Who did you kidnap? He grimaces again and just hisses through his teeth. Uh, you? Well, I know you kidnapped me, jackass. I was there for it. He puts one finger up and just nods to himself a couple times and says, I am sick to bastard death of you. But I- uh, Oh. Oh, shit. Really? What do you mean, really? Leo looks down to see if he can see where you is. Way at the other end of the boat. Leo looks off at her and then whips back around to look at the captain. Are you stupid? Wait, no, I know the answer to that, but why in the hell? I mean, I get bringing Ascot along for the ride a little bit forcibly. He was trying to get money out of you, but a kid? What the fuck, man? He gets up in your face. I'll thank you to mind your tone and your volume when you're discussing matters that you know nothing about. I know that those kids have been in incredible danger for the entire time that I've been on this ship with both of them. And I know that our definitions of morality aren't necessarily the same thing, but I didn't think that even you would be willing to just put somebody that age in danger for no reason at all. He scrubs his hand down his face, and he says, <sighs> She's my sister. What? I said, and then he realizes that he's being loud, and he stops. Would you mind taking this somewhere a bit less public? Yeah, sure, let's... Leo starts walking for the captain's quarters, I guess. The captain shoulders the door open, waits for you to go in first, shuts it behind him, and then says, Look, the important thing right now is that she doesn't know, so I'd appreciate if you could keep it under wraps. I, I know, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. I talked to Doc the day we found the moray, and she said that you's parents had... Oh, oh, God. <sighs> the captain nods a couple times. He walks over and he sits down at his desk heavily. And just puts his head in his hands for a second. We left the service pretty young. They were trying to fast-track me into a career as a legislator, and I am not built for that. So I left. They keep exhaustive records up at the Citadel. It was just a matter of matching the dates up. Most of the time when the service takes little ones in, someone notes that they found a baby on a doorstep or that an orphan didn't have any family to claim them, but wouldn't you know it on exactly the date I was looking for? Child surrendered. The names were just there. 
They were just there, and I just... I just wanted to know. You understand? I just... I don't know what I wanted. An explanation, I suppose. And I cooked up all kinds of scenarios in my head. What I thought would make it acceptable. But they hadn't wanted me. I told myself I couldn't afford a baby. I told myself they weren't happy. That they were going to be separating. I looked the names up. And I woke up the street to this grand, fancy house. They've got a little one running around the front yard. And I knocked on the door. And my mother answered. I didn't know they were going to... She couldn't have been younger than 15. It's one thing with a baby, but it's... She's a person. She had opinions. She had a bloody name, damn it. I just... I didn't think... I didn't find out for years what they'd done. And when I did, I was a deckhand on someone else's ship. I obviously couldn't provide for a kid. When I had the resources, it was the only thing I could think of. You know, it was just this weight on my shoulders. And then I meet her, and she's... (laughs) Well, you know how she is. She's loud, she's opinionated, she's fantastic. And she's young, so she starts talking to me about what she knows about her past. She starts telling me about how her parents didn't love her enough to keep her. And how... (laughs) He laughs to himself and his hands go down and like rub at the scars on his chest. And how they might have if it wasn't for her good-for-nothing sister. So I've kept quiet about it for the past... (sighs) Shite, almost 20 years now. And then he just sighs and pinches the bridge of his nose again. Just don't tell her. That's all I'm asking. Just just don't. Leo just stands there staring at him and blinks a couple times. Well, not to dig too deeply into my own shit, but I understand wanting to do right by your sister. All of this is your business. My lips are sealed. (sighs) Appreciate it, lad. Although, for what it's worth, again, not trying to dig too deeply into my own shit, but if my experience is anything to go by, you might be surprised by the capacity for forgiveness that your sister can have when and if you finally decide to tell her the truth. Thanks for the help with the knife trick. I... Definitely learned something from it. He takes a deep breath, stands up from the desk, kind of dusts his hands off. Oi, you didn't learn damn well near enough. Back to it. As you go back out and start practicing again, Leo, go ahead and take your next rogue level. Hello, cunning action! (laughs) Back with Fee and Sabine. The two of you are standing on the strip of boardwalk outside the singing siren, and standing a little further down, leaning back against the railing, Vice Admiral Defiance is looking at both of you with a big, hungry smile. She's leaning back against the railing, looking over the water that's lapping right up against the boardwalk, and next to her, there is this big, black and white bird. 
that is kind of perched on the wood of the railing. And she has a handful of what looks like breadcrumbs that she just kind of keeps idly pinching up and sprinkling down in front of the bird that's eating them. But she's not paying attention to it. Her eyes are solely focused on you, and that smile is not wavering. What? You two look surprised. Not really. To be honest, I expected you to be here sooner. Well, if you had that much foresight, then you know that this is our last chance to solve this diplomatically before things get... nasty. Well, I have to look at you, so things are already nasty. She grins at you in a way that looks more like she's baring her teeth, and then side-eyes Sabine a little bit. Sabine, you're looking... alive. That's unfortunate. Sabine grins back at her and lets out this bitter little laugh. (laughs) It is very unfortunate. For you. And you're going to see just how unfortunate it is, not too long from now. Couldn't agree more. Fee raises a hand, fingers crackling. But if she's this eager to finish things, I'm loath to refuse. Sabine's hand darts up very fast and closes around your wrist and yanks your hand back down. Don't. Fee gives her kind of a confused look. Vice Admiral of the Australian Navy gets murdered on Zephyr Isle's land. That's an open gate for a full invasion fee. She can't die here. Defiance's grin widens a little bit. Good to see that we're still capable of logical thought, ladies, so let's discuss this in a civilized manner, yes? She kind of twists her hand around in Sabine's grip so that she can lace their fingers together, and then says, I would, but I'm not particularly interested in anything you have to say. I've heard it before. Sabine squeezes your hand super hard and says, I'm interested in one thing. I want to know why. What was the point of the whole goddamn charade, Defiance? It seems like a waste of time for you. That hungry grin widens just a little bit more, and she tilts her head to the side. Sabine, let's be real with ourselves. The mighty pirate king of the Zephyr Isles and the Beacon's poster girl. Well, that was a power couple that just couldn't be allowed to endure. You were enough of a threat on your own, but uh, once you got your hands on the captain, I had to take action. She takes another little pinch of the breadcrumbs out of her hand and feeds it to the bird, and then reaches out and runs one finger along its head like she's petting it. You know, I've always loved these birds. Magpies... They're super smart. A bunch of big brains in Australia with more money and time than they had since did a study on them once. They're so intelligent that they remember the faces of people that are cruel to them. But also the faces of people that are kind. You spend enough time building a relationship with one, it'll bring you little trinkets that it finds in exchange for food. (laughs) But let's not kid ourselves, the captain's not as smart as these birds, so I don't know where I was going with that metaphor. He's more like... a puppy. An eager, earnest, dumb little puppy. 
But the thing about puppies is you can still teach one to go fetch. And with enough patience and dedication, you can even train one up to be an attack dog. My people and I scoop boat after boat after boat of people out of the Dragon's Maw on a daily basis. And once you are out of the way, well, it was more than worth it to sacrifice one little ship of rescued people to make the captain think I was on his side. That was all it took to give me all the access I needed for an infinite supply. And you know, that's another thing about you, Sabine, something that I've always really hated. You are always so high up on your little pedestal with your nose in the air talking about the ultimate power of truth and how it's the greatest force in the universe, but how strong was your marriage if it only took one little lie to make it implode? Fee Sabine squeezes your hand so hard that you feel your bones creak and flicks her other wrist so that a ball of fire appears in her hand. She is definitely not thinking clearly right now. Sabine. You ruined my life. Her teeth are bared. She looks like she is ready to rip Defiance's throat out with her bare hands. Sabine. If possible, Defiance smiles even wider and tilts her head to the side. I did ruin your life, didn't I? Oof, that's twice now. Tough break. Sabine's gonna try to lunge at her. I'm gonna thunderstep us down the street. If anybody except Defiance is real close to us, I'm gonna spell sculpt around them, but I'm gonna thunderstep us away. Defiance needs to make a con save. She rolled a 24, so she definitely saves. So she takes two damage. And you and Sabine warp back out of non-space, 90 feet down the street. Sabine is going to try to take off running. I'll roll a grapple check. I am just going to, like, grab her. Sabine has been this very stable presence for you ever since you've met her. She seems like she's really in control of the situation wherever she is. Like, she always has this mastery of what's going on. You get your arms locked around her as she goes to lunge back after Defiance, and... She just bows forward and starts crying. In the distance down the street, you see Defiance wince a little bit from that damage that you did to her with the thunderstep. But then she gives you a jaunty little wave, turns around, and walks off in the opposite direction. I'm going to try to duck into an alleyway so we have some privacy. And I'm just going to hold Sabine. It takes a while for her to calm down. You get the feeling that whatever emotions she is reacting to right now have been pent up for a really long time. She's just got both hands fisted up in the fabric of your cape, bawling into your shoulder. But after a few minutes, she takes a deep breath, sits back up straight. Okay, okay, okay. We've got to get back to the ship. We have to warn the others. Let's, let's go, let's go. He's just going to squeeze her and then let her go. Your fun day in Pearlport has come to a not-so-fun end, as you and Sabine both turn on your heels and run for the docks. Leo, the captain, as he is wont to do, 
stops your training when the two of you are both getting a little too frustrated to be productive. And he swans off to do something somewhere else on the ship <laughs> to put some distance between the two of you. So what are you doing? I'm going to go check on Lorelai again. The conversation between her and Glasses has moved on to her info dumping about butterflies. She's going into supreme entomological detail, but Glasses is listening intently, not looking her in the face, but just like looking at her hands as she gestures. Neither of them look up as you approach. <laughs> Neither of them gives a shit. Hey guys, what are we talking about? Lorelai sighs and then says, well, we were talking about the breeding range of the Elnaeus swallowtail butterfly. It's endangered in Australia, but it has more of a habitat in Tordoon because we've cut down all the trees that they need to eat. That's really cool. She gives you a majorly affronted look and says, it is not. The population is dangerously low in Australia. My apologies. Anyway, it's good to see that you're settling in. I'm glad you're making friends. Yeah, Glasses is a fascinating person. He says we can't build a bomb until he can pick up some sodium from the docks. And then Glasses says, well, if I can get my hands on enough soap, then we could improvise something, but... Okay, and your new friends are teaching you how to make improvised explosives. That's... not that much different than a lot of my friends, so... good on ya. But just out of curiosity, Glasses, how do you make a bomb out of soap? Glasses' face brightens a little bit. Well, you see. And at that exact moment, Fee and Sabine charge up the gangplank. Um, roll insight. A natural 20! A natural 20! Too many natural 20s this episode. Okay. <laughs> Fee looks furious and a little bit sick. And Sabine looks like she's been crying. Okay, I don't know Sabine that well. I'm just going to head over for Fee, squeezing Lorelai's shoulder before I leave. First of all, you got off the boat? Second of all, what the hell is going on? Fee grimaces. She says, I really don't need a lecture about getting off the boat. I wasn't alone. I had Sabine. Sabine next to her says, if you could go get the captain, uh, we all need to talk. I mean, he's probably going to hit me in the face again if I go try to talk to him right now, but yeah, I'll take one for the team. I go get the captain. Hey, your wife wants you. For a moment, the captain looks fearful, and then he says, right, and he follows you back to Fee and Sabine. And as you get back, Fee nods to herself. She says, so, uh, Defiance has arrived. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Leo takes a long moment to stomp down his impending panic attack. Well, you two are still alive, so there's a silver lining. What are we going to do about this? I'm going to roll insight for the captain really quick. Uh, that's a 19. And Sabine rolled a 15 to deception. So the captain's face softens as he looks at Sabine. And he nods at her and he goes, You're right there. And Sabine puts a hand over her mouth and just goes, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm good. Uh, Defiance had a little chat with us. It seems like she has some big plans, so we all need to figure out our next steps to try and curtail whatever destruction she has in mind. 
Well, from my understanding of the situation, we were banking on the Conclave to help us parse all of this out. If we're still waiting on their approval for us to even get off the boat, we can't... We can't do anything. The captain sets his jaw very firmly, nods to himself, and then says, In that case, we just won't be waiting on their approval, I suppose. Leo looks over at him with the full scope of the conversation that they had earlier in mind, raises both eyebrows, and goes, Your funeral, buddy! The captain gives you an absolutely razor-sharp grin, and he says, Now, lad, I think you and everyone else in this conversation knows that I'm too stubborn to die. I'll prepare a strategy for approaching the Conclave. We'll get it handled tomorrow. Okay. In that case... We wait. The captain pauses for a second, and then reaches out and just squeezes Sabine's shoulder, and then marches off to the captain's quarters. The day wears on into evening. After a little bit, rain does start coming down, but it's not a super bad storm. Most of the thunder and lightning is off in the distance, outside the harbor. Fee, the captain, seems very busy. He's shut up in the captain's quarters. You see Pelican coming in and out a couple times, but other than that, he seems to not want to be disturbed. Leo is keeping a very close eye on Lorelai. You notice him rotating very close to her and her new squad of friends as they run around below decks after the rain starts, just kind of talking and laughing with each other. You notice that you ropes Leo into a game of cards with the three of them, and they all just start absolutely beating his ass at it. The mess hall on the ship is not big. It's very crowded. There are a lot of crew members down here getting their dinner. Boots is dishing out food back in the galley. You spot Sabine after a while crammed into a table in the corner as far from anybody as she can get. She's just flicking her wrist, making a ball of fire appear in her hand, clenching her fist to extinguish it, and starting again, repetitively, staring at the wall. Fee's gonna go ahead and get food for the both of them, and then walk over and sit next to her. I keep having to say this to people, but brooding's my department. Sabine doesn't touch her food. But she also stops this process that she's been doing with the controlled firebolts and kind of just stares down at her plate. Sorry, I don't mean to brood. It's just... (sighs) Fucking defiant. Agreed. She just kind of reaches across the table and doesn't quite grab her hand, but just like laces their pinkies together. She said she'd ruined your life twice. Do you want to talk about it? Sabine grits her teeth, but then looks up at you and moves her hand forward so that you are fully holding hands across the table. I do, but only if I can talk about it in confidence. I haven't even told the captain about any of this, and (sighs) you know how he is. She's already done so much to him. If he finds out now what she's done to me, he'll... I already came close enough to ruining everything for us today. I don't want to give him the chance to do it all over again. Alright. Whatever truths you're about to share with me, 
are safe with me. She looks a great deal more relaxed as you say this, and then rakes in a deep, shuddering breath. (sighs) Um, the war was over before you were born, so you wouldn't know. I barely remember any of it, I was just a little kid. But there was no shortage of carnage and violence, and even as far south as Ilnaeus, there was no shortage of war orphans. I don't remember my parents, not really. I don't even remember their names. My father had a sword, I remember that. I can only assume that he must have been lost to the fighting and that my mother got sick. Well, and then after that, there were plenty of kids on the street. We all took care of each other. There were these Australian nobles, Lord and Lady Javaris. Older couple, no children of their own. Philanthropists, you know? Also prominent members of the Beacon, but that wasn't common knowledge. I had a bit of a name for myself. I was good at picking pockets and finding my way out of sticky situations. And they found that useful. They adopted me, out of the goodness of their hearts. And then the next orphan that showed talent, and then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Trained us up to be good little spies, seekers of truth. I was the first, but by the end, there were ten of us. I got older, they asked me to stick around the house, help take care of the younger ones. And I did, and I I loved it, I was good at it. And then Defiant showed up. Came out of the woods one day, asked for somewhere to stay. And my parents, my adopted parents, were good people. They wanted to help her out. And she was powerful, so they liked that even more. And she stuck around. Became almost like a member of the family. When the schism broke out, we weren't ready. Lord and Lady Javaris were prominent figures on one side of the argument, and people came for them. They died before any of us could do anything, and then they came for the rest of us. The older ones, me, and some of the other kids that had been adopted around the same time that I had, we tried to fight. Some of them got out, most of them died. I went back in for the little ones, got most of them out of the house, into a network of safe houses or false identities. But when I ran back in, Defiance had the youngest. He was 50. The whole place was on fire by that point. I looked at her and she said, I've got him. And I trusted her. So I ran. I ran and I left the country and a few years later, Defiance was back again and told me that the one person I had decided to trust in all of this was betraying me. I think I was maybe a little too ready to believe her. 
because after everything, the fight and the marooning and making my way back to Australia, I found out that she'd been lying the whole time. She was the person that tipped off the people on the other side of the schism. She was the person that let them into the house, and she wasn't taking that youngest kid to safety. Something worse than death happened to him. She has ruined my life two times now, Fee. And I am going to kill her, but she can't die here. She's already killed my family once. She's not going to do it again. No, she isn't. And she is going to die. Soon. Fee squeezes Sabine's hand and says, You should eat something. Uh, It's going to be a long few days, I think. Sabine picks up a fork and kind of plays with her food a little bit. Yeah, you're right. And Fee... Thank you for giving me the chance to tell the truth. I feel like I haven't had the opportunity to do that in a long time. Thank you for trusting me enough to tell me. Fee's gonna lean across the table and kiss her. She kisses you back and just keeps her hand pressed to the side of your face when she pulls away. (sighs) I'm going to eat, and then I'm going to go see if I can find... The captain's rum stash, I think it should be under the loose floorboard in the hold still. And then I'm going to take my fucking trance... somewhere. I suggest you do something to the same effect. Well, Leo has volunteered half of our room to Lorelei. And I don't expect I would be welcome in the captain's quarters right now. So, what say you and I find some place together? Well, when the captain used to fuck up real bad, I would make him sleep in one of the longboats. I've been told that it's actually quite comfortable. Fee grins slowly and says, A fascinating revelation, Ms. Javaris. I think they're going to finish the dinner and go off to one of the longboats. You and Sabine emerge from your trance the next morning at the bottom of a longboat. A little tousled, a little more immodest than you should probably be in the light of day, to a shadow falling over both of you. Fee is going to burrow a little deeper into the blanket that is presumably over her, and just kind of like tuck her face into Sabine's shoulder. The shadow does not move, and from above you, you hear a voice say, All right, well, I've pinched myself three times now, so this is happening. Fee sits up very fast, suddenly wide awake. The captain is standing there, fully decked out, frock coat and hat on, cutlass at his side, boots tied, ready to go. With a little bit more of a mischievous grin than he's probably entitled to. Sabine wakes up beside you, glares up at him and goes, Really? He raises both eyebrows at her and goes, Ah, lass, it was your own fault for going somewhere that I knew people could sleep in. I mean, usually I was sleeping here alone. Except for that one time. Sabine puts her head in her hands next to you and goes, except for that one time. Right, and with that, are we going? And then Fee looks around the longboat for a second and says, Sabine, you are sitting on my corset. I'll, uh, leave you ladies to make yourselves decent. It's gonna be a harder stretch for some than others. And he winks at Sabine and walks away. 
next to you, Sabine quietly whispers, I can't stand that man. If it's any comfort, I know for a fact he has a clean change of your clothes. What? Long story. And after you two put yourselves back together and join up with the rest of the crew on the deck, the captain is pacing back and forth in front of the gangplank. All right. So, as per usual, the conclave's taken too fucking long to do anything about anything ever. So we're taking matters into our own hands. The proverbial wolves are at our door, my friends. And we are going to go to the powers that be and demand some fucking action. The entire crew puts their cutlasses up in the air and cheers. The captain winces a little bit and goes, ah, the lot of you might want to be a little more quiet about it, though. <laughs> we are going to have to sneak through the city, so. We're headed for the citadel. He looks back up at you and Sabine and breaks out into this crooked, rakish grin. It's time for us to do what we do best. Let's go cause some problems. And that is where we end for this week. <laughs> that fecule, though. Fecule honorific. <laughs> And it's only going to get better from here, but we'll find out more about that next time. On Compelled Duel. Hey everybody, Barry here with the Postscript, just handling a few housekeeping things at the end of the episode. You can find us on social media on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok at Compelled Duel. You can also find us on TikTok at Compelled Duel Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. We have lots of other cool stuff, including an official Spotify profile, an official website. You can find all of that linked on our various social media profiles. We host a weekly Q&A live stream every week on our YouTube channel, so if you want to head over there and subscribe to us so you don't miss that, that would be great. We would love to see you guys come hang out, ask some questions or just have fun while we talk about the latest episode. If you'd like to support the podcast, we ask that you consider heading on over to patreon.com slash compelled duel, where starting at just $2 a month, you can get access to all sorts of cool patron benefits, including early access to episodes, access to bonus content like exclusive playlists and bonus episodes, and even letters from your favorite character every month. If you're interested in supporting the podcast in ways other than pledging to our Patreon, we ask that if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, that you consider leaving us a rating and a review, because that helps us get promoted to a wider audience and grow our listener base. And as always, word of mouth advertising is the most powerful tool we have at our disposal right now, so if you like the show, just tell a couple friends about it, and if they like it, ask them to tell a couple friends as well. The next episode will be going live on Friday, September 17th, 2021, or if you are a member of our Patreon, you will get your early access on Thursday, September 16th. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you next week.